Welcome back to What's the Point of the Midrash, the weekly podcast where we take a look at a rabbinic text and offer suggestions to answer the question, what's the point of the Midrash? My name is Rabbi Josh Uter, and this week for Parshat Behar, we'll be discussing Leviticus Rabbah, Vayikra Rabbah, 3414, and a few variants on discussion of charity and the importance of charity. This particular midrash begins uh, with the introduction of introductory pasuk verse of Isaiah Ishayahu, uh, 58, 6, and 7, that says, uh, No, this is the fast I desire to unlock the fetters of wickedness and untie the cords uh, to let the oppressed go free, break off every yoke. Hello, paras l'ra'ev lachmecha ve'aniem merudim tavi bayit ki arom v'chizito mi'besarcha lo titalam. It is to share your bread with the hungry, take the wretched poor into your home, when you see the naked to clothe him, and not to ignore your own kin. And on this verse, the Midrash in Vayikarabba 34.14 introduces with a dispute. Here it is stated in the name as a dispute between Rabbi Ab- Ada Bar Ava in the name of Rav versus Rav Yochanan. Uh, but you'll find the same debate in Bava Batra 9a between Rav Huna and Rav Yehuda, where uh, following at least the one in the Gemara in uh, Bava Batra 9a, according to Rav Huna, Bodkin lemezunot ve'en bodkin lechsut. If a person comes to collect from the communal charity funds for money, uh, if someone asks for food, uh, according to Rafuna, we check to see if the person is in fact poor. Uh, today we would call this means testing. But not if the person asks for clothing and says either I can give you a verse or I can give you logic for it, won't get into the details. And according to review Yehuda, it's the opposite. That if uh, someone comes claiming to be poor and asks for money for the purposes of buying food, then the charity collectors do not uh, look and do any sort of means testing. They just say, okay, we're for food, just give food. But you would check for clothing. So this is the introduction to this particular midrash. Not we're gonna spend most of our time on, though it is, I think, an interesting dispute. Um, on the end part of um, Isaiah uh, 58, uh, 7, uh, to the lines of uh, When you see the naked, clothe him and do not ignore your own kin. The Midrash gives a very long story that uh, I'm not going to read in the Hebrew as well as I usually do. I usually think it's important, but we'll summarize a bit in the English because I thought this was a fascinating story on different levels. Uh, Rav Yaakov said in the name of Rav Lazar that this uh, thing of that you do not um, uh, ignore your own kin, refers to a man's divorcee, meaning his ex-wife. Example one given is a story with uh, Rav Yossi Haglili. And according to the Midrash, he had a bad wife who used to insult him in front of his students. And the student said, you know, let this woman go because she doesn't actually treat you with honor and dignity. And he said to them, well, the ketuba, the marriage settlement that is paid to a divorcee upon divorce, is too much for me to pay, so I can't really afford to divorce her. Skipping a bit, there was an incident with 
uh, Revel Azar uh, to Raviosi asked the same question because he came home and saw firsthand just how poorly uh, Raviosi Aglili's wife was treating him. And Raviosi Aglili gave the same answer that, well, the ketuba is just too much and I can't really afford it. So Revel Azar says, you know what? We're going to cover it for you. So they saw that he was in such uh, a bad situation and couldn't afford to get out. So they basically paid uh, the money that was enabled him to afford to divorce his wife. He divorced her. And according to the Midrash, found a uh, married. they married him to another wife better than the one that he had. Fast forward a bit. Uh, Rafiosi Aglili's ex-wife went and got remarried to a city watchman. And after a while, the uh, watchman turned blind. So the woman led him through the whole city and every neighborhood, but she avoided where Raviosi Haglili, her ex-husband, lived. Now, the watchman knew uh, the city pretty well, so he asked her, wait a second, how come you're not taking me to where Raviosi Haglili lives? Because I hear he practices charity. So she says, oh, I'm his ex-wife and I can't see his face. Which itself is interesting that, you know, she gets remarried and you know, doesn't say, oh, here's what my ex-husband, who is probably pretty well known and weird that never came up in conversation. Anyway, they eventually make the way to the neighborhood of Rufiosiak Lili and the woman's new husband began to beat her. And according to the Midrash, they made a huge noise and brought disgrace upon themselves in the whole city. And Rufiosiak Lili looked out and saw this. And what did he do? He took them put them in one of his own houses and supported them for the rest of their lives because of that verse in Isaiah of uh, that you don't uh, lift your eyes from you know, your own, hide yourself from your own kin. So that's one story uh, really uh, talking about the uh, almost obligations to help support uh, your ex-wife and the entrance of charity because there was still some connection there. I don't know if this would be an example of uh, original alimony, but the message here is that even after a divorce, there should still be some you know, sort of concern for the other person's well-being. Because from the side of Yossi Aglili, um, assuming we take the Midrash at face value, not only is he in a, an abusive marriage, um, sends her away and winds up taking them back and supports her because of the obligation that he felt that he had. Uh, how did Rav Yosiaglili's second wife take all this? We don't really know. Um, but there's that level of, uh, I guess by today's standards, maybe even by the, the standards of the time of this Midrash, is kind of odd. At the same time, I think it's a good example of the extent to which that we're supposed to care about other people. Uh, specifically, you look at a divorcee and someone that we you know just send out of your life and that's you know what the whole thing of a safer kritut you're severing the relationship and you know here we're told well relationship isn't totally severed but maybe there's something that's uh but even so this is a person that you're supposed to have compassion for even though there is no other rational reason to have exceptional compassion for this person the Midrash continues with another story along these lines where someone went and told uh, Rav Tanhuma that, hey, did you see that there's this uh, sin being committed over there? And he asked, what'd you see? It's like, believe it or not, there was th there was a man who was talking with his divorcee. And even worse than that, he gave her some money. 
And had he not been in, under suspicion regard to her, then you know, he wouldn't have given her. So if Tenhuma brings him in and he says, you know, the world's already in distress and mankind's in distress. And here you are doing the <laughs> cardinal sin of you go and you're talking with your ex-wife. Even more, you're giving her money. And, you know, had you not been under suspicion, you know, would you still do that? And the guy responds, well, you know, didn't you teach us, um, you know, don't hide yourself from your own flesh. And, you know, all people should go and distribute charity. And I went to give charity to uh, my ex-wife because she was in trouble and I was filled with compassion and I helped her out. Rav Tanhuma then responds and says, uh, you know, says to God, you know, if man who is flesh and blood cruel and, you know, not responsible for taking care of her is still filled with compassion and helps her out, how much more so, more so, should you be filled with compassion for those of us who are the children of your children, Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, and dependent on you for our maintenance? And then instantly rain came and the world was relieved. I think in reading these narratives, it's, you know, more than just the importance of charity, but also in a particular context to help one's ex-spouse. I'm reminded of the Gemara in Bava Metzia 32b uh, that says that if you have a friend and an enemy, uh, both whose uh, animal has collapsed and you have an obligation to unload its burden, who do you help first? And according to the Gemara here, the obligation is to help your enemy first. Why? Because you subjugate your evil inclination, lachofet yitzro, meaning your natural instinct is to help out people you like, the people you have empathy for. In this context, both in the Gemara in Bava Mitzia 32 and in the Midrash in Vayikar Rabbah, in both cases, these are instances where your impulse is going to be no, we should not help this out, or even if not active no, it's just they're not going to be on our mind. And we're told a positive ethic that we're supposed to go out of our way and help the people that by rights we should not feel like helping and no reason not only no reason why we should but even some reasons to actively avoid helping them and i think this is a poignant lesson for today because it is our impulse to have sympathy for some people and not others just based on i don't know whatever our interactions are or however we're feeling or if we're sympathetic to a cause and, you know, on one end, if we have feel empathy for someone, that's fantastic. We can help out lots of people. But at the same time, we're also limiting how we're helping based on, you know, whether or not we feel good about it or we feel good about helping a particular person. And that's not always a great way of getting things done. Maybe on an individual level, you can accomplish, you know, some good, which is fine. But that means there's a lot of stuff that needs to get done in this world and a lot of people who need to get help that we're just going to ignore. And this particular uh, midrash here focuses on one's ex-spouse. I think we may be able to make a kalvachomer on lots of other people out there that we may not consider as being worthy of our empathy or worthy of our disdain, if anything, and think about, well, if there are ways of helping them, maybe we still have to as much as it might hurt, or I mean, hurt's a weird way of saying it, but as much as it might uh, go against all of our instincts and impulses, maybe this is what we have to do, and maybe we have to conquer our Yetzer and conquer these inclinations to help whoever we can as we can. Well, those are my thoughts, but I'd love to hear yours. What do you think is the point of this Midrash? Please feel free to reach out to me. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is at jayuter. Also on Facebook, or drop me an email on my website, www.joshuter.com. 
Thank you for listening. Have a great week and a wonderful Shabbat.